Achieving success, being healthy and wealthy, and lifelong happiness is anyone's ultimate dream. In the grand scheme of things, self-doubt limits you from achieving great things. The path towards the zenith of success and controlling your life is at your hands. This is the Unlimited Influence. Reprogram your subconscious mind with Dr. David Snyder. Right. Means is like same as. The complex equivalence filter is the meaning-making filter in the human nervous system. The moment we experience a cause and effect a relationship in the mind, a cause and effect relationship happens, right? Um, I come home, my wife yells at me, right? Me, you know, I walked in the door, she yelled at me. The first thing that's going to happen is I'm going to assign a meaning to that, right? I did something wrong, which is an inverse cause and effect, by the way. I could, I could go off on a real big squirrel hunt here. If, if people want to know about my observations in terms of, of gender preference for language patterns, I'm happy to talk about that after we finish uh, the 21 most powerful words. But the structure for a complex equivalence is X equals Y. Rather than X arrow Y, X equal sign Y. Because in this particular type of a statement, X and Y are the same. One equals the other. Now, I'm going to go into bumper sticker thinking. Like, have you ever heard of time? You know, um, time is money, right? Um, a day at the beach or um, a, a day off is, is as good as a day at the beach. You know, it's like a day at the beach. You get the idea. Bumper sticker thinking. But you, you may have heard a similar structure in narratives like the following. Man gets up for work. As he's leaving for work, his wife looks at him and says, you know, remember, Johnny's got a soccer game today. He wants you to be there. It's important to him. Husband looks at her wife, says, I will be there. I promise you I'll be there. He goes to work and maybe that, at that particular time, his astrological sign was circling Uranus. His biorhythm was at an all-time low. Everything goes wrong. He, you know, Don, Johnny's game is at 4.30. He shows up at 5.15 or 5.45. The game is all but over. He rushes up to his wife. He says, honey, I am so, so sorry. The boss was a jerk and he made me stay late. And as I was driving down the road, there was a traffic accident and we got detoured. And, and I just hit one thing after another. And, and that's why I'm late. She looks at him with that look. You know what look I'm talking about and says, if you loved your son, you would have been there or you would have been here. This is what a cause and effect or complex equivalence conflict sounds like. If you, if you review what the man was saying, he gave all the reasons why he was late. These are cause and effect statements. But in the perceptual filter of the mother, those behaviors meant something. And this is a very, very important, these two filters are one of the single, in my opinion, and from my experience, one of the single biggest reasons for miscommunication in relationships. Both genders use both patterns, but because of their evolution, sociology, biology, remember, I'm not talking about the way the world should be, I'm talking about the way the world is. Because of the way the genders have been oriented towards their language and what they sort for first, men tend to think in cause and effect relationships first. Women tend to focus more on meanings or complex equivalences. And so 
what I tell my, my students is, gentlemen, remember, if you're relating to your spouse, everything you do means something to them. Ladies, remember, we're not that complicated. We, you know, we, we do the things we do because of a reason that we, that we didn't think about what it would mean to you. And that's one of the big problems that we have um, in relationships is that complex, uh, complex equivalence cause and effect conundrum. Uh, and I could go deeper into that if you want to, but just to understand the moment we start assigning meanings, it creates a cascade of internal representations and contexts that have emotions connected to them. So the structure is your X is always truism. In other words, something that's always true. The pattern word that you, you plug in is one of the words that I gave you. Means, is, like, same as, equals, equivalent. I mean, there's, there's going to go to a thesaurus. There's hundreds of them, but you don't need a hundred. You just need a few. You just put them in a little list by your computer, um, in your back pocket. And every time you answer an email, every time that you pick up the phone, every time you come on Clubhouse, it's your turn to take the stage. Look at your list and just riff a few of them and get that external practice. So hearing and understanding how complex equivalence works means that whenever you speak, you'll have the ability now to make anything you want mean anything you want. And as you hear those words coming out of my mouth, it means you get a deeper understanding of this that you can use functionally in the world to me, to, to cause people to assign whatever meaning you want to whatever you're describing. And as long as the, the, the first part of your sentence is true, something they can verify, they'll automatically tend to assign the meanings you want to the thing you want. And their behaviors, decisions, and perceptual filters will follow accordingly. Now, thinking about it like that, you, might, you may find that you have a different understanding of how belief systems work. And because you understand how belief systems work, it means you can now modify belief systems conversationally in a much more powerful and much more different way, whether that's through direct response by overcoming objections or through an NLP or hypnosis session where you're unpacking a certain belief structure and installing an alternate belief. Does that make sense? Um, yeah, that makes sense. So, um, David, I had a couple things. Like, number one, I had a question. Like, uh -huh. the if if then statements, mm -hmm. for example, does that fall under cause effect, or does that fall under equivalent, or does it depend? That's a great question. Um, if then, um, if X is true, then do Y is cause and effect. But it could also be. Um, you could you could modify it to complex equivalence by saying, if this is true for you, it means, and now you now you've gone the complex equivalent route, right? So if you've been listening to me on the on the on on the uh, the clubhouse and understanding these particular language patterns, it means you now have the ability to structure your language in a way that not only is creatively compelling, uh, emotionally compelling, but neurologically compelling as well. And when all those things line up, it means you're going to be an effective, a more effective communicator anywhere you decide to use them. Does that make sense? Yep, that makes um, perfect sense. The second thing, I just wanted to kind of quickly reset the room. Sure. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the 18 most powerful words in language and how to use them. This is a room hosted by the Create 12 with Words Club. Hi, my name is Victor. I'm a copywriter and once or twice a week, I try to find some expert on Clubhouse who would be willing to come on and give a talk on a certain topic that they are familiar with. Um, this week, I do have the Dr. David Snyder, who is the number one NLP trainer 
in the world. And he is here to generously and also generously give us his time to explain um, these 18 most powerful words in language and how to use them and why they work and the psychology behind it. As it's been doing for, um, oh, well, it's been an hour already. <laughs> yeah. Time changes when you use these patterns. Sorry? Time changes when you use these patterns. I, I, I warned you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> that is very, very important. So, right, yeah. So, the room has been going on for this long. He wants to share with us like seven um, patterns of language that you can use, each one with about three descriptive, with three words each. Mm -hmm. or so as yeah. uh, for example though there are more for each category giving us a total of 21 even though he promised 18 as you can see dr david is a guy who over delivers and is a very very engaging speaker i recommend that you follow him on clubhouse feel free to also check him out on instagram where he's got much much longer videos where he goes to in depth of all these concepts that he's sharing here today and feel free to get in touch with him if you'd like some more um appropriate help for your situation get some trainings and so on um, yeah, so if you're in the room, welcome to the room. This is what the conversation is about. This is an interactive room, by all means. Feel free to raise your hand. I'll get a notification and I'll bring you up on stage if you have any questions that you'd like to ask. Although if you don't ask any questions, I'll be happy because that means I get to, <laughs> I get to have Dr. David all to myself. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that is what it is. And in that sense, I noticed that James has been up on the stage for a while. Thank you so much for your patience. I know you've been waiting quite a while since the last reset. So do you have any questions that you'd like to ask or something you'd like to say? Feel free to take the floor. Hey, David, uh, one of your students, uh, man, I just, uh, I just love the stuff that you put out. It's just so amazing. Um, I'll tell everybody out there, you know, go to his NLP Power site, get his courses. You won't, you will just, you'll love them. Uh, but, uh, um, David, I got a quick question. It's a personal question. Um, I had the greatest night last night and the worst night last night in the, in the same dinner. Um, and I'm trying to figure out if there's a way I can help heal a young lady that I'm very interested in. And what I say, heal her, she says, you know, I don't know what I want. And it's like, well, what she wants is this guy who refuses. Well, he keeps coming up with excuses of why his 17 year old, 17 year live in girlfriend uh, can't leave. And so now she's hurt and she feels like she can't move on because she's still constantly waiting for, you know, he keeps saying, it's just going to be another month. It's just going to be another month. And I, I guess I was just asking, uh, thinking, um, I, use, I actually used the words a few minutes ago in a text and told her that I was, uh, as she gets to know me, I will automatically and easily and naturally she will see that I'm the guy to fall for. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, but my question is, you know, yes, I'd love for her to fall for me, but ultimately I, I'd like for her to be able to move on from this guy. Mm -hmm. And um, see, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt. And by all means, I want this to be a room that's interactive and if people ask questions, but the way that your question is going sounds to be something that's kind of outside the scope of the current discussion. So just out of um, sake for everyone else's time and also for you to get some more focused one-on-one -on -one help, I recommend that you get in touch with Dr. David um, privately after this call. Again, sorry about that, but we do have a lot of people in the room. 
Yeah, no problem. So just a, a quick, um, just yeah, DM me for sure. But James, if you go to my YouTube channel, and you might even find this on Instagram, I think my I think my daughter uploaded uh, the resistance removal protocol. Uh, the resistance removal protocol is a conversational framework designed specifically to cause people to generate a reason for why they want to do the thing they just said they want to do in a strong enough way for them to actually act on it. So, and the thing you just, the scenario you just described sounds like it's textbook resistance removal protocol. Um, certainly I can, I can help you fine tune that if you need to, but go and, and look up that video either on our Instagram or on our YouTube channel and you will get the exact verbiage, the exact structure, the exact protocol uh, that you can use to reframe that and get her to move towards something that will actually cause her to, to take an action. So, uh, Thank you, David. I mm -hmm. apologize, Victor. No worries. All right. Um, anybody else have a question before I move on? David, actually, uh, I have a okay. quick question here. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is actually tailored towards um, like copywriting. As someone who's taking on an identity as a new copywriter, um, I've taken your identity by design course, which is honestly like a cheat code to life. And you sort of got me thinking, what would happen if we were to implement these words when we're sort of hardwiring like a new identity and we try to influence ourselves by having this sort of new belief um, what would be what sort of patterns would you use to sort of um, when you're like having that sort of self-talk? Mm -hmm. Just kind of curious to know. And I hope that's clear. Yes, absolutely clear. You would use every single pattern I'm teaching you, period. Um, because like the identity by design silo is designed to rewrite your identity from the from the ground up. And it's taught with a minimum of hypnotic language. Why? Because it's designed for human beings who can't even spell hypnosis to be able to do this stuff awesomely in just a few short days. When you layer over top or within the identity by design silo, these language patterns, it takes it to a whole new universe. In fact, if you go back and you watch your videos of me doing the demo, record the audio, pull a transcript and underline the patterns because I'm using them. Wow. And one more quick question here. Mm -hmm. So when you do teach the Bankston method, which is also life-changing, I'm just really curious to know, you know, during that stage where you actually have to write down like what you want to visualize or, or have manifest. Yes. If you were to actually implement these hypnotic language patterns, this is what I realized as you we were speaking, would that even accelerate it even further? Yes. These words, remember, here's the thing again, any place, any place that human language is involved, these patterns direct, magnify, and accelerate whatever effect you're going for, if you use them properly. Doesn't matter what. That's why we call the CPI system the universal persuasion protocol, because it allows you to generate massive influence on one person or a group and as long as they can hear you and see you, it's going to work. It's going to magnify whatever you do. But it's one of the last things we teach you, because if you can't get people into a trance or get people following instructions without hypnotic language, it's not going to help you. Right. So most of the most of the people in this room have been probably speaking a good 20, 30, 40 years. So they already have been using these language patterns on their own. So I don't have to teach you how to speak. You just got to understand a little bit more nuances and, and um, scope of some of the words you've been using your entire life. And as long as you can deliver those how you would normally speak, 
they'll still have the effect as long as you follow the principles that govern the delivery of them, right? But you don't have to sound vague, creepy, or confusing. There's nothing you have, other than what I'm sharing with you in terms of the structure and the deployment and the installation of these words, they will magnify and amplify every single context in which language is involved, spoken, written, chatting, texting, video, it does not matter. It doesn't even have to be English, which is really cool. Thank you, David. Mm -hmm. uh, so let's talk about our, so we, let's, let's just review really quick the patterns that we've covered. We started with the adverb adjective presuppositions, which allows us to once we understand the structure, which is always, always, always put the descriptors before the things they describe, it forces a person's internal pictures, internal mind movies, internal assumptions to be exactly what we describe. And the best part is they don't resist it in most cases because they're filling in all the details from their own memories, beliefs, and experiences, and they're attributing all that to us, like we said it, like we knew exactly what was going on. They don't realize consciously that that's happening, but structurally that's what happens when you put the descriptors before the things they describe. The next pattern we talked about was called cause and effect. The cause and effect pattern allows you to make anything you want seem to cause anything you want in the minds of your listener or your reader, even, even if those things have absolutely nothing in common, no causal relationship whatsoever. If you plug in the X causes Y strategy or, or structure, the brain will automatically process it with the same level of certainty as a belief. And because if you've, if you've done, if you've delivered it congruently, more often than not, they will just accept what you say without any questions. They'll just nod and go on, right? If you don't call attention to it, they won't either. Okay. Very, very powerful. The next pattern we talked about is the meaning-making filter of the nervous system. We called this complex equivalence. Words in this category are means, is, like, same as, equals, equivalent. This has a very similar X causes or an XY structure, except that rather than X, which is always something true, causing something else, the X and the Y mean the same thing. They're just using different words. And so we using this structure and X once again is always, always, always something that the subject can verify is true. When you're writing copy, one of the first things they tell you is what? You have to step into the conversation that's going on in the mind of the subject, in the mind of the prospect. Why? So you can tell them what happened and what it means. But that's an equivalence process. The moment we start describing a client's or a customer's experience, that's an X. That's that's a pace. If we've from a direct response perspective, if we've gotten our avatar right, we've stepped into that hologram of our ideal client, we can now describe their experience. Well, that description of their experience is your X. It's your pace, right? And from there, we can either make it cause something or we can make it mean something. When you get really good, you can do both at the same time, right? It's, it's really powerful, but we have to learn these in isolation. So first three patterns, adverb adjective makes the mind, makes a person's internal pictures, whatever you want them to be. Pattern two, cause and effect allows anything you want to cause anything you want. Pattern three allows anything you want to mean anything you want in the minds of the listener. Okay. Next pattern believe it or not, and I came to this discovery late, is actually, in my opinion, 
the most powerful hypnotic language pattern or neurocognitive language pattern that exists. It's so strong that you can't resist it even when you know it's being done. And even when you're looking for it, it's extremely hard to find. Okay. And this particular pattern is known as the awareness language pattern. The awareness language pattern, its scope, the, the things that it influences most directly are a person's, uh, a person's focus of attention. The words that you want to start with in this category are aware, realize, and experience. Now, I would add several more to this, and you can, you can write these down if you want, but start. And again, for those of you, by the way, if, if you're having trouble or if you came in late, uh, I have a PDF that I put together that has all of these words, all of these categories, and a whole bunch of drills and skills. It's an excerpt from my CPI and Killer Influence programs. It's like one level of a six-stage process. If anybody wants a copy of that PDF, uh, I'm happy to, uh, to send that to you. I'll, and I'll tell you how to do that at the end of, you know, towards the end of our, of our uh, conversation. And you'll have it so you can do the drills and get the skills. Aware, realize, experience. Here's what this, this awareness language pattern does. First and foremost, it channels and directs focus of attention. And it does it in a very interesting way. It directs things towards what follows the word. And it moves a person's awareness away from everything else. So it literally casts, creates a laser-like focus or a spotlight on the aspect of the, what you're presenting or talking about that you want them to focus on. You can also use it to set context. That's a, just a little sidebar. Here's the other really cool thing about this pattern. And this is, this is so covert. I'm amazed that no one's ever really talked about it other than me. If you understand how to use these kinds of words, you can cause a person to begin to undergo any state, process, or experience that you can describe. So just, and again, it's, it, even when you know it's being done, it's very, it's almost impossible to, I haven't, anybody, I've, I've, I haven't found anybody who could actually do it legitimately, resist this pattern. So as you notice the sound of my voice, you may become aware of the sensation on the tip of your nose. As you become aware of the sensation on the tip of your nose, you may suddenly realize that your mind is going to the earlobe of your left ear. As you recognize that your mind is going to the earlobe of your left ear, you may suddenly notice your mind moving to the big toe of your right foot. And as you notice that sensation in the big toe of your right foot, you may suddenly realize that in spite of your best intentions, in spite of the fact that you may be summoning up all of your willpower, despite, and for those of you who are trained in NLP, realizing I'm not even using negations, that your mind is still going to the body parts that I mentioned. As you become aware of that fact, you can suddenly realize that I've now taken your, your, your focus of attention inside to your very own thought processes. Now, isn't that interesting? I'm curious what you discovered, what you experienced from that little journey. Okay, please get out of my head. Please. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> right? To me, this is the apex language pattern. And here's why. If you understand the, the process of cognition, you can't sort concept, cause and effect. You can't sort meaning, you can't make a description 
until you first become aware of something. Consciously or unconsciously, it's all about direction of attention and awareness. And this pattern allows you to seamlessly, naturally, automatically direct a person's focus of attention. And here's what's interesting. Can you remember how many times I used an awareness word during that whole sequence? A lot. <laughs> how obvious was it? Um, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I was too focused on like what you were saying and the sensations. It, it basically like bypassed me yes. entirely. This is, this, is the, this is the superpower of this pattern. The foundation of all of our cognition is based on awareness. Yes, things come in through our sensory cortexes and things like that, but none of that has any relevance to us until we become aware of it consciously or unconsciously. So when we start, and here's the best, and this is again, why I asked this question, because I wasn't, this is the first group I've ever asked this question about how many times they were aware of how many times I used that word. This particular category of language is such a fundamental building block of everything we do inside that we don't even pay attention to when it's being used. And because of that, you can overuse it. Tons and tons and tons of, you could use the same exact word 27 times. And no one, unless they're trained by us, will catch it. And even then, you have to know to be looking for it. So words in this category, and I'm gonna, we're gonna do one more drill with this just to understand that I was I, I was goading you a little bit, wasn't I, to try and you know when I was moving your moving your mind around, I was I was asked, I was kind of challenging you and tempting you a little bit. Go ahead, do do your best to resist. And I and for those of you with an NLP background, I deliberately stayed away from things like negations, right? Because I wanted you to experience the powerless. Now none of us are going to go out into the world and say I'm going to use these words on you and I want you to summon up all of your willpower and do your best to resist, right? We're not going to do that. We're just going to layer these words in and people are just going to go along with where we want them to go because it makes perfect sense to them on a neurological level, right? It doesn't matter if it's logically true. It's all about what the neurology thinks is normal or organic or natural, right? And that's what these patterns allow us to do. Each of them forms a building block of our internal subjective experience. And the moment we start speaking in these patterns, our internal world changes in harmony with the patterns, right? So, this is your awareness. The other part of this, and I want you guys to play with this one. Now, I'm going to give you an experience. You can use this to, for those of you who are therapists, you can use this to automate processes in the neurologies of your clients that gets conscious resistance out of the way. So just for fun, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to think of a time in your life when you felt the most amazing, thrilling, fulfilling, satisfying pleasure ever. I won't even ask what it was. I don't care where you were, how old you were, what substances were involved, how many state lines you crossed. I don't care. But all I want you to do now is I want you to notice as you remember those moments, you remember how you were, what you were seeing, what you were hearing, what you were smelling, what you were tasting. When you do all that, there's a place in your body where those wonderful feelings start where they grow and where they spread from. Take a moment, go ahead and point to where you feel that. As you point to where you feel it, if there were a picture floating in the space around you that represented those amazing feelings, a picture that you could reach out and touch, take one of your, your other hand, reach out and touch it for me. 
And I'd like you to notice how the feelings in your body shift and change as your unconscious mind begins the process of expanding that picture, making it big as a drive-in movie theater screen, crystal clear like an IMAX. Notice how the feelings change as it turns up the sounds, the smells, the taste, the feelings. Best pleasure experience ever. And notice how they grow and change and transform as it begins to wrap itself around you like an amazing blanket of pleasure, a cocoon, a shield, a suit of armor, insulating you, protecting you from all less than pleasurable experiences, real or imagined, while at the same time flooding your mind, flooding your body, flooding your spirit with everything it most wants, everything it most needs in an infinite, ever-expanding and unlimited supply. And when you notice that you've got that, when you realize it's true, breathe those feelings through your entire being. Let it fill you up like water fills up a bottle, like fluid fills up a test tube, like hot air or helium fills up a balloon. Anchor it in so fully, so completely, no force in the universe to turn it off or take it away. Not even you. When you realize it's locked in, you recognize it's true, test it. Try to turn it off and notice what happens instead. And when you come back to the room, tell me what you discovered. Let's start with Victor. Um, okay, I'm just in the most relaxed and positive mood, right? Excellent. Now, all I really did was describe things using the, ad the awareness presupposition. You didn't have to consciously do anything. You just noticed it happening. Right. And this is a lot of times that for those of you who work with clients, they say, well, do this. And they say, I can't. Here's how you get around that. Well, notice how the feelings in your body change as. So there's your pattern word. Notice X as you Y. Notice X as you Y. Right. That's a very simple way to use this effectively to detach and circumvent conscious resistance to doing something. Okay. Questions on that? So, David, you're just using, um, I don't want to say just because I'm such the uh, novice here, but it's its all using a like um, kinesthetic and auditory and visual experience. Can be anything, but I, I used all five to make sure that I activated all of your neurological circuits. I could stay in purely the auditory system. I could stay in purely the kinesthetic system, but I know that the moment I mention a cortex or I mention a sensory modality, that part of your brain is going to light up like a Christmas tree. The more parts of your brain that I can get lit up, pointed at the same thing, the more absorbed you're going to become and the more bandwidth I'm going to take up in the nervous system, which means I'm marshalling system resources that may have been dormant or not tapped into otherwise. Okay. Um, but you could very easily work with a purely visual system and, and do the exact same process. Notice how the feelings in your body shift and change as X. And, I'm, and you're going to find out one of the hallmarks of the work that I do, whether it's clinically, whether it's um, in, 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 from a, an influence standpoint or whatever, I'm always targeting body feelings. I'm always targeting that because everything starts there. In spite of what NLP teaches us, if you pick up the book, How Emotions Are Made, and they talk about the interoceptive nervous system, everything that we have begins or ends in a feeling. Actually, they both do. And so the moment we start playing with body feelings, all of our perceptual filters shift spontaneously. So if I can get you feeling something, I'm changing, I'm literally changing the building blocks of your reality. And that's one of the big takeaways that I want all of us to get. Everything human beings do is in response to a feeling. It's either a feeling they want more of or a feeling they want a whole lot less of. And when you can 
create and craft narratives and stories and descriptions that change a person's body feelings, you've changed them from the most fundamental level of themselves upward, from the reptile brain to the neocortex. It's very difficult for us to change from the neocortex down, but it's dramatically easy to change us from the reptile brain up. And so that's where I, that's where that's been the focus of my work for probably easily the last 10 years. Um, go ahead. I, this is very fascinating. As a yoga studio owner, I focus more on just um, kinesthetic auditory and visual mm -hmm. when we're in the yoga room, but I'm, I'm learning how I can incorporate the entire emotional experience and the other senses to, um, you know, grow my business and also become more influential. Perfect. Perfect. Remember, everything human beings do is in response to a feeling. It's either a feeling they want more of or a feeling they want a whole lot less of. All you really have to do is figure out what the feeling is, what direction they want to go, and how they describe it to themselves. And as long as you use those words to describe the aspect of your product or service that directly satisfies those body feelings or those emotional feelings, they'll tend to do business with you out of default. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yep. So um, just want to take a quick second to reset the room. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the 18 most powerful words in the English language and how to use them. This is a room under the Create Wealth with Words Club. Hi, I am Victor. I'm the club owner. I am a copywriter and once or twice a week on Clubhouse, I make a point to invite some of the most interesting and knowledgeable people on the platform to come by and give us a room, to come by in a room and give us a talk on something that they're very, very knowledgeable about. Um, this week, I have Dr. David Snyder, who is the number one NLP trainer in the world. He is just like, he's just spent the last hour and a half giving us such amazing and powerful information on the title in the room, 18 Most Powerful Words. He's giving it in the format of like seven different language patterns and each language pattern is giving us about three or more, meaning that the total words that we're getting are 21. So it's kind of like over delivering on what he promised when he said he's gonna come in and share 18. He's so generous with his time, being able to explain in great depth and answer any questions. This is his living. This is what he does for a living. He also talks on Clubhouse quite often, as well as on Instagram. So I recommend that you follow him on both platforms. On Instagram, you can find long format videos of his stuff where he goes into this in much, much more detail than he possibly could here on Clubhouse. And also here in the audience, we have a couple of students of his who can vouch for the stuff that he's sharing being powerful and effective. So um, this room has been going on for about an hour and a half now. Um, this is supposed to be an interactive room. Feel free to raise your hand and come up on stage. I will bring you up on stage to ask any questions or share anything that you might want to share. And with that, Dr. David, please continue and go on to the next pattern. Okay, cool. You so well, as, uh, to use a, a, a one pattern we're not supposed to be covering today, which is when would now be a good time to ask your questions? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> when would now be a good time to ask your questions? Believe it or not, that pattern is, uh, I don't know if it's still being used, but it was originally used by military recruiters to, uh, to convince people to, to enlist in the army and the, and the armed forces. It was actually taught to them. And, and how would they phrase it to recruit you? When would now be a good time to X? And it goes and, it, right and now. now goes right in. Yeah. When would now be a good time to enroll in yoga? Right now. When would be when would now be a good time to do your, your next asana or your next mudra? Right. 
When would now what be is a your good... favorite restaurant in San Diego? <laughs> when would now be a good time to do the laundry, kids? <laughs> right? When would now be a good time to dress sexy, baby? <laughs> oh, I do. I have a question, David. I sure. keep hearing you say right at the end of a lot of sentences, mm -hmm. and I've seen I've seen some different things lately online about um, discussion whether I, I, some of this is female coming from some female writers about stop saying right at the end mm -hmm. of, because it makes you sound dumb or it makes you sound not very confident um and i noticed that you're sprinkling it in it's not every time and mm -hmm. i'd like you to speak to that if you could sure it's tactical okay if you pay attention to my tonality when i do it i'm not i'm not i'm not again this goes and a lot of times when a word is framed, it's not based on the meaning of the word, it's based on the placement and the tonality connected to it. So um, for those of you who like sciencey stuff, there's four channels of nonverbal influence uh, discovered by uh, Dr. Alexander Penlin of Stanford. He, he, he termed these channels of information, honest signals. And one of those channels was called consistency variability because it's a, it's a, and it's a continuum. If I deliver something that like, like I'm teaching you right now and I'm delivering in a very certain, very consistent, maybe I have a lot of uh, inflections and, and rhythm and cadence, but there's no uncertainty. There's no you, subtle changes in my, in my, uh, you know, my tonality. I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit. That would be considered what is, what is known as a high level of consistency. And consistency is one of the things that we sort for to determine non-verbally if somebody actually knows what they're talking about or not. When we're delivering information, when we're delivering or teaching, we want a high level of consistency in the way we verbally deliver it. But there's the other end of the spectrum, which is usually on the interrogative side. In other words, if I'm asking questions, the more variability I have, the more I, what, I come, what, what, what comes across is somebody who is asking for information. And if you go to the extreme of that, it comes across as being uncertain. Okay, and so what I think a lot of the writers are talking about is is that, that again I'm extrapolating, and I'll tell you why I use the words I use in a moment. Um, so I think what they're talking about is they're focusing on maybe the word right, but what's really triggering them is the tonality and the variability with which it's being delivered. Does that make sense? It does make sense, and I can hear the women that use it that people are talking about, mm -hmm. and I can notice the difference. Perfect, perfect. So here's why I use words like right, okay, and now. So I'm talking to you, right? And as soon as I say right, well, let me just do this. As you begin to fully understand the scope of the language patterns I'm teaching you, and you begin to integrate them directly into your way of speaking and writing and creating powerful copy for whatever reason, you'll naturally find yourself winning more and more often and be able to move through the world being the center of attention when you want to be and direct other people's focuses of attention whenever you need to. And as you think about that and imagine what that might be like, doesn't it just make sense that you'd want to go further? Now, yes, it does. Now, yeah. and now what I just did there was the same thing that happens when I say the word right. In NLP parlance or the Milton models, we call it, we call questions like right now, what would that be like? Or doesn't that make sense? We call those tag questions. And here's what happens when I start to describe something to you. And especially if I'm using these patterns, you're, you go into trance, your, your focus of attention, even though you're looking at me, literally your focus of attention goes into your own head and you're sucked into the movie I've created in your mind. 
So I've literally directed your focus of attention inside. I'm firing your visual, your auditory, your kinesthetic olfactory and gustatory cortexes. You are completely absorbed in the trance that my words have created in your mind, which is where we like to be anyway. The moment I say a word like, right, okay, now, doesn't that just make sense? The first thing that happens is everything I said, your, your, your attention automatically pivots from inside to outside. You're back in the world with me in real time, thinking about something else. That means that everything I've just layered in there, every suggestion, every description, every command that I've given, every experience that I've guided you through gets locked in and processed at the unconscious level with you never having a chance to go back and analyze it. So we call those tag questions for a very simple reason. We tag them on the end to get you from the trance that's going on in your head back out into the world with me so that I can lead you through the next stage of the process. Does that make sense? It does. And I'm a little bit cognitively overloaded thinking about um... <laughs> It's almost like I planned it. Yeah, right? <laughs> Um, I guess thinking about if you're in a, so if you're not in a, um, say in an office with you or, or in like a one-on-one -on -one therapy session, but if you're in kind of this like power struggle, um, a stressful situation and somebody maybe that's, um, uh, let me, I, I'm a nurse by background. So let me mm -hmm. just say like, say, say you are a, um, a patient's caregiver, you're in the intensive care unit and the attending physician walks in mm -hmm. and uses all of that over you and kind of just drops you and drives you into a lane that you don't want to be in and you're very uncomfortable in it, but you, you're, you're kind of driven there um, subconsciously or unconsciously. What does that do to you later? Does that leave you with, um, you know, trauma? Does that leave you with a bunch of stuff that you have to clean up or process later? For sure, it's going to leave you with stuff you're going to have to clean up. Now, whether your, your natural organic systems do that for you automatically or you actually apply a technique to do that, it, it, there is a cleanup that's going to have to, that's going to, have to happen. Right? Uh, okay, that, that makes sense. Thank mm -hmm. you. Yeah. So, but I'll give you a real, quick, a real quick tip. The moment somebody starts talking to you and you feel a body feeling, pay attention to your posture. The moment you feel your posture start to shift, pop back to a military attention stance or like a Wonder Woman type pose or something like that, whether it's, whether it's appropriate to do that. And you're going to find out very, very quickly that the words coming out of their mouth, as long as you maintain that postural shift, will have a significantly less effect on you. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, very, very Amy Cuddy-like. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. David, I've got a quick question. Mm -hmm. Uh, so you were talking about having that sort of level of consistency. Mm -hmm. One thing that really stood out to me and I've been implying from your uh, killer influence course is um, basically people make decisions based on how they feel. And uh, if you want to change their decision, change their state. Yes. You were talking about that consistency. Now, when I interject that playful, let's see what happens energy, would that create some sort of discordancy? I hope I'm being clear here. No, no. In fact, uh, you can be very playful and still be very certain. In fact, you should, you should be playful and certain. That's what's going to make people want to come play with you. That actually makes, I think I had a belief where it was one or the other. Yeah. So thank you for clearing that. There's up. many ways 
you know, there's many emotional palettes we can layer this commitment, this consistency variability channel on. And I highly recommend for those of you who are going to do public speaking or any or, or interact in any kind of socially competitive environment that you take the time to get two books for your library. The first one is Honest Signals by Alexander Penland. The second one is called Power Cues by Nick Morgan. Uh, Dr. Penland gives you some great science some great understandings of these four channels. And Mr. Morgan gives you some great ways to put these things into practice. Now I've incorporated a lot of both of his, their materials into my systems uh, as part of our nonverbal influence programs. And we have a very, very extensive uh, repertoire of nonverbal influence tactics and techniques that we, we teach in our social charisma and social influence programs, CPI, things of that nature. But you don't need to sign up for any of those. Um, you can just go to Amazon, get those books and start in your way, implementing these ideas and channels of information um, into everything that you do. And, and the thing that to understand why that's so important for us is before any words come out of your mouth, people have, you have a seven second window during which people are going to frame you in their world in a certain way. And if you understand these power cues, you can manage that seven seconds and then begin to amplify before you, you know, and, and again, and, and the way they tested this was by, by videotaping people for extraordinary lengths of time with the sound off and making highly accurate predictions of the decisions the group would make. So I'm going to, I'm going to get back to language now, but for those of you who are interested in, in magnifying the language, which is what we're really about, when everything we do amplifies what came before it, right? If you, when you get that PDF, that I, I'm talking about, you're going to see a little concentric circle diagram on there. That's called the Universal Persuasion Protocol or the CPI module. Each one of those concentric, concentric layers, each layer magnifies the layer that came before it. And so it doesn't matter if you're talking to one person or you're talking to a room full of people, you'll be able to magnify the level of charisma, persuasion, and social impact in any context. So we're drilling down on language today and how it amplifies, and Alex has been asking some very good questions about things like identity, he's, he's done identity by design, things of that nature. And you'll notice one of the things I keep coming back to is regardless of what the application is, anytime you layer these patterns and integrate these patterns into what you're already doing, it will amplify and accelerate the effect that which you get, okay? Don't believe me, just plug the patterns in and test, and test it. If it works, keep it. If it doesn't, didn't cost you nothing. Right. So um, that being said, I'm going to go ahead and move to the next pattern, which I before you, go ahead. Sorry, Dave, before mm -hmm. you do that, can you name the books again? Power sure. Cubes and the, other? the first book is called Honest Signals by Alexander Penland. Honest Signals by Alexander Penland. And the second book is Power Cues, C-U-E-S by Nick Morgan. Both are freely available on Kindle, Amazon, both in audio. I have like, I have a hard copy, I have a digital copy and I have the audio. Um, it's, it's that worth knowing, okay? Um, so, so um, sorry, doctor, before you go no on to the next point, just want to take a second to reset the room. Hello everyone, how are you all doing? Welcome to the room where the title is the 18 most powerful words and how to use them. It is hosted under the Create 12 with Words Club. I am Victor, I am the owner of the club and I am a copywriter. And one of the things that I do on Clubhouse is I make sure at least once or twice a week, I try to find um, any interesting experts on the app 
and invites them to come by and give a talk on a certain topic that they're knowledgeable about. To get uh, more of these talks, I recommend that you follow the club, which is in the Create Global Words. Next, that little green house at the top, follow that. We'll take you to the club bio. Um, tap follow, and you'll get notified the next time we post rooms like this. This week's special guest is Dr. David Schneider. He is the number one NLP trainer in the world, and he is here on Clubhouse to generously, also generously share his time into explaining for us the 18 most powerful words in the English language. Now, this man has gone above and beyond and said that he's not only going to give us these 18 words, he's going to give us seven frameworks that they fall under, seven language patterns. And for each pattern, he's going to give us three words for a total of 21 words. He is over-delivering. He spent so much time explaining the concept, breaking it down, answering questions. So I strongly recommend that all of you give him a follow here in Clubhouse so you get notified when he talks. Also, click that little bell. I also recommend that you check out his Instagram where he has much, much, much longer videos which go into depth, in depth in all the concepts that he is sharing because right now we're just getting a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of everything that he knows. Um, so welcome to the room. This is an interactive room. If you're in the audience and you would like to be up on stage to ask Dr. David a question or have a contribution, feel free to tap the hand icon and I will see that notification and I will bring you up. And with that, I noticed that we do have uh, Jack and Lynn up on the stage. Thank you so much for both of you being so patient. If there's anything that you would like to say or a question that you'd like to ask, feel free to unmute your mic and um, go ahead, Jack and Lynn. Do either of you have anything you'd like to say? Yes, thank you. This is like fairly mind-blowing. <laughs> thank you, David. You're very welcome, Victor. Very, very well. Um, so how do we how do we get heard? How do we help people hear us? with the, the truth that we're expressing. Okay, so let me ask you for context. Is it one-on-one -on -one or is it in groups? Uh, let's go with groups. Okay, yep. so in NLP, there's a concept we have called the hierarchy of beliefs. Now, for most of us, that means absolutely friggin' nothing. But what it really means is that our belief systems have a pecking order. And certain kinds of beliefs control and influence other kinds of beliefs. Now, buried in that structure is a category of belief known as criteria and values. What that really means is that level of belief represents our idealized version of the way the world is supposed to be to be perfect for us. So every human being that you meet for any context or situation that you can describe, they will have a checklist for the perfect way for that to be expressed. And human beings are moving through the world, projecting their little checklists onto everyone else and checking the box or not checking the box, depending on what's reflected back. When you are talking to a group of people, you need to structure your language in such a way that they automatically fill in those deep emotional desires and checklists to exactly what you're teaching them about. When you use your language in that way, they will automatically fill in their deepest, most heartfelt desires into the, the, the bottles that are your words. And those, those words will take on the meaning they fill it with. So one of the ways that I often do it, and we can play with this. And, and again, I have a whole 
a whole training on this. This is, again, I'm, I'm giving you very, very, um, very, very, uh, I don't want to say vague, but just big bullet points. First and foremost, I would get, I get up in front of a room and I say, hey, what's everybody want to learn tonight? And they'll look at me like, huh? Like, we all had something, right? There was, when you saw and you read what this, what this reading, what this room was about, each and every one of you saw something, a potential in this event, this meeting, this collaboration to get something that's really important to you right now. I want you to stop for a moment and imagine that you got it. Imagine that you got whatever tool or insight or belief or memory you needed to move forward in the world and get and create the world to be more of the way you wanted it. And when you do that, when you step into that and you see what you see and you hear what you hear and you smell and you taste what you smell, and you taste, what's that like? And when you have that and when you're experiencing that, what's important to you about it? What does it do for you? And as you feel that, and you remember that, and you think about that, if you could get that, if it's doing that for you, what is important to you about that? So as we move forward tonight, I want you to go ahead and connect the, the, the skills, the strategies, the, the technologies that we're applying to giving you that life now. So that every time you learn a new thing, you understand and you recognize how it's going to move your life forward to get you those things that you really want. Not just the surface level ones, but the deep emotional ones, the ones you're not going to tell anybody. So as we move forward together, you know I'm giving you the things you need, that I'm helping you, that I understand where you're coming from, and I'm desperate and determined to help you get there. End of demonstration. Perfect, 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 perfect. Thank you. Okay. Now, how specific was I in any of that? It sounded really specific, didn't it? On a, I didn't say a friggin' thing. On a, on a, on a metaphorical level, <laughs> it was like accurate as possible. <laughs> exactly. Because, Jack, every time you heard a vague word, you filled in your own meaning. And you assumed that's what I meant. That is the neurological foundation of, of a concept we call presupposition. The way you be compelling is you give people the experience of something that seems amazingly specific, but from the, from, the, the per, from the perspective of the person delivering the information, it's vague because the words I'm using can mean so many different things to so many different people. And in fact, they do. But because all of you are hearing the same word and filling those words with your own meanings in your own unique way of doing it, you assume it's exactly what I meant. And because you're looking at me, you're listening to my voice as I'm describing those things, all of those things get linked to our, the relationship that we now have. And then we just build on them. And hopefully you're doing this in a way that you can actually deliver the things you're promising, right? Um, but, you know, I'm not a persuasion comp, but there is, a, there is some possibility for misuse if you understand how this technology works. So I hope that helps. Yeah, it was... It was great. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Very welcome. All right. Yeah. Ben, do you have um, anything so we don't skip over you? Thanks, Victor. Uh, well, first, let's, let me just express my appreciation for you. You've been an amazing moderator. Um, and uh, David, thank you so much for this content. Um, I am a 
I'm actually a student of NLP with a group called NLP Marin mm-hmm. uh, up in Northern California. And I've, I've been following your work for years. Um, this is incredibly valuable information. I'm a huge fan of your work. Um, I, I actually first discovered you um, on a video you did on speed attraction. or uh-huh. it was like That's, that's how most people find yeah. me. You're the first person yeah. to actually cop to it. <laughs> And, you know, although it was about dating, I applied a lot of those techniques in the work world. I like I'm not even in the healing space or psychotherapy space. I I work in technology Mm -hmm. Um, and I found it to be just incredibly effective. These are very powerful communication tools and just, you know, developing an awareness for other people's experience. Um, So I'm trying to figure out how to articulate this question. I, I love your style of NLP because you incorporate other modalities into it and it's not this room is entitled like create wealth with words and 18 most powerful words and nlp is so much more than that it's physiology it's eye accessing cues yada yada um but what i appreciate about your style is that you incorporate so many other disciplines and modalities like earlier you were referencing penland and morgan and power cues and tag questions which is i don't think is nlp and i understand you also have a background in acupuncture and martial arts and you're as some expert in facial recognition so there's just so many other disciplines that you incorporate in your work and i'm very curious about what your either digging into these days that's new to you or what you consider, you know, maybe like the top one to three that you infuse into your practice? Well, face reading has been a very trans, it's, it's, again, face reading has been one of those disciplines where you're looking for gold, you strike oil, and then all of a sudden you find uranium and you find all these other ways that you can apply it. I learned face reading in the context of or medical diagnosis. That was the first, my first exposure to it was in medical school uh, as a way of diagnosing the health the, of the body and the organs and things of that nature. And so I understood that the body as a, the body as a hologram from that particular model, but I'm always looking uh, and to, to, I'll give you a shorter answer to your question. Um, my whole life has been on a, been a quest for finding the most powerful, effective, fastest, and most direct ways to do things Anywhere I go, I've been I've been literally looking for, metaphorically speaking, the Swiss Army knife of empowerment and human influence. If 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 there's if I learn a technique or I learn a, uh, a technology that I can only use in a very specific context, I very quickly put it somewhere else and I focus on the things that will work in the classroom, the treatment room, the boardroom, the bedroom, the negotiation room, uh, and and all points in between. Which leads, if we have time, I'll tell you a funny story about how because uh, you mentioned the three magic questions and speed attraction, which is I, I know exactly what video you're talking about. I learned that that technique in the context of dating and attraction. Little and again, I was just coming to this conclusion um, early on. But the dating mating archetype, from my perspective, is the archetype of all other social interactions. So you can take something that works in an attraction and dating context and very, very easily graft it over to marketing, uh, jury selection, negotiation, mediation. In fact, my my colleague Chase Hughes, who runs Applied Behavior Sciences, he actually uses three magic questions when he's interrogating people. Right? Very, very different. Um, so, right. but one of the beautiful things about the, the technologies that I go, I go after that really kind of make me kind of take notice is, can I use it somewhere else? You know, and I get a little sense for what that is and, and, but I'll, I, I digress. Face reading yeah, is something that, that I'm going to go ahead. Oh, I, 
I just want to add that, you know, it, it could be, you know, just to elaborate on that, it can be used in other places. It's so relevant to mm -hmm. what's going on in the world right yeah. now. And, you know, yeah. like we're talking about like romance attraction or influencing the boardroom yes. or just in, in, in very practical senses. But I've used some of these techniques in just helping people grieve. Yes. I lost my mother to COVID. It's very important work. And I think that there's um, kind of a parallel track where you can use these techniques in, um, in, in incorporating healing arts yes, and just dealing absolutely. with hardship. That and, and you've done tons of work around that yes, as absolutely. well. Yes, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so anyway, I, I just, I so much praise and respect for the stuff that you do. And it's so relevant now, and I'm, I'm glad that there are people in this room kind of listening in because these skills are so useful in so many different contexts. So thanks, David. Well, you are you are so very welcome. And yeah, I, I would love to have your reading list or the stuff you study if, if that's posted anywhere. There is actually. Um, what I will do is uh, I have a very, very extensive reading list that one of my students has compiled over the last 50 trainings that he's attended. So if those of you guys DM me or, or sign up for my uh, drdavid.club uh, email list where I can keep you uh, posted, I'll be happy to send those to you uh, forthwith. I have a PDF also that goes along with this talk that if you DM me or, or go to drdavid.club uh, and, and just uh, give me your name and email, I'll, I'll send you a whole bunch of stuff, let you know what else we're doing. And just... Um, to abruptly turn a corner, I want everybody to look up at the upper right-hand corner of your screen at this guy named Victor here, because I ran across Victor a few weeks back, and I just happened to come across him, and he, he had people in his room dropping knowledge bombs left and right, and I only intended to go in for a minute. I couldn't friggin' leave. I just everything he, that his people were saying. He, he he gave me a few tips on copywriting. I think I think it was you that was talking about getting yourself in a super hyped up state before you write. And as much as I teach on 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 state control in my classes, I'm like freak man, why didn't I ever think of that? <laughs> you know, and, uh, and and so I really want if you if you aren't liking and following Victor, please please uh, follow him on Instagram. Follow him on Unfair Copy. Um, He's an amazing guy, and I really appreciate him uh, being so gracious to, 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 to allow us to spend time together. So I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing more from him in the future. So if you haven't followed him already, please do. Um, so going back to what Lynn was saying and, and kind of coming back to these language patterns, the, the protocol she's talking about is called Three Magic Questions. And in this time, of COVID and isolation and fear mongering and everything else where people are absolutely desperate and starved for attention. These are the tools that will allow you to bridge that gap and generate an oxytocin and dopamine release in everyone that you meet that allows them to experience the connection and the, the, uh, the validation that they desperately need. These patterns will change you. Okay, um, whether you just apply them, you know, for, for one context or not, these tools will magnify and amplify everything you do with them. So if you know three magic questions protocol, like, uh, like Lynn was talking about, there's a free video. It's actually on our Instagram channel. Like I said, we've been uploading a ton of our, our YouTube content to Instagram so people can find us there. Um, that, that protocol 
is a, a profound, profound game changer in every therapeutic context that I engage in, uh, in terms of jury selection and uh, negotiation, mediation, very, very powerful. If you build these language patterns into that framework, it's even more unstoppable. You get a whole that's greater than the sum of the parts. Each of them can stand by themselves, but when you put them together, it's a complete, you, you welcome to the matrix, right? Uh, but again, don't believe me, and I'm not using negations, test it, take these things out into the world in ones and twos, Put, plug them into your emails, plug them into your text messages. Notice the difference in the response that you get. Does it, does it speed up? Does it slow down? Do people start to elaborate more on the things you've, you've echoed back to them than ever before? Now, what's one of the dangers, by the way, of using the echo technique, which we mentioned a couple of times, is the minute you echo somebody's words back to them, it stimulates their neurology for self-disclosure. So they'll start running off at the mouth, which is good for you if you're a good listener. Right? Um, so the next couple of patterns that we're going to cover, I consider these to be a subcategory of the adverb adjective presupposition. Now, why do I say that? Because they all describe something. They all describe something, but they, they, they are specific enough about the effect that they have that they, they really kind of warrant their own category. So the first one I wanna share with you is called the temporal, I'm sorry, not temporal, the spatial category of presuppositions. Um, and the words in this category include among, expand, and beyond. Now, just like all the other words and other categories we've talked about, everything that follows these words, the neurology creates automatically and processes as if it's literally true in order for you to understand what you've just been told. So if you understand how to embed things in the structure of what you're saying, you can take this from a technique level to a, a very powerful um, strategic level. Words in this category, among, expand, beyond. So as you sort through the many language patterns we've talked about and the samples of these words, from among the many categories and samples you've given, the most powerful ones for you, the ones that are, are most obviously useful for you will, will rise up from among those, and you'll find yourself using them in a way that allows you to create powerful linguistic communications that entice people and enchant them and allow them to move beyond the limitations they thought they have and expand their horizons and undergo dramatic changes and take positive, pervasive actions that allow them to realize deep transformation from within themselves. And when you think about the power of these words to do that, I'm curious from among the many patterns that we've discussed, which one do you think you're gonna use most often? Okay, so come back to the room. When you use these words, how many notice some very vivid three-dimensional imagery going on inside your head? Come out of trance. <laughs> Right. This is the power of the of the spatial category for the for in case you didn't know this human beings, their spatial memory is actually the most developed aspect of their nervous system. So when you use words that stimulate that spatial aspect, it creates very, very powerful, very, very compelling internal imagery. Now, I've strategically what I have found is that if you using one can be very powerful. You could, you could say something as simple as, 
from among the many techniques we've talked about, I'm curious, which one is your favorite? What does that presuppose? If you think about it, A, that there's a bunch, that there's more than one, that within the, that category is one that you liked and that you actually liked one. All those things are stated without being said, right? So these are assumptions that your neurology tends to make. From among the many techniques in this workshop that we've talked about, which one rises to the surface and allows you to take notice? Right? And notice which one that is. And I'm curious, just by, you know, if you guys want to share with me, what was your experience? As you think, as you, as you allow yourself to kind of review that experience that you just had, what did you notice about how your internal processes express themselves? Oh, like, um, as I said, this is, I've been up since three, now it's like 5 p.m., so my brain's a bit slow on these things. <laughs> Sorry. Someone on stage can say something. <laughs> it's okay. By the way, I, this response is very common. <laughs> well, I'm definitely drawn to the category number four when you use notice. Mm -hmm. Perfect. And you should. Notice is, is, is actually the, like I said, it's, as far as I'm concerned, it's the apex language pattern. Uh, and once you have it, you have the power to seamlessly direct people's experiences in their head, outside of their head, from among the many different types of imagery that you can create. You can literally dictate the path their mind takes. And that's cool. So excellent. So did anybody, um, was there an experience of, of, of uh, and again, I don't wanna put words in your mouth, but I am curious, was there an experience of uh, like a three-dimensional imagery going on in your head as you were doing these? Go ahead, James. Come on, Alex. James, Jack, Lupin. We got lots of people on stage. Speak up. When would now be a good time to speak up? For, for me, it kind of like almost dazed out a little bit. Yes. It was that deep. <laughs> That's why I think maybe some people are a little bit quiet because uh, it's like to oh. recollect almost. It's difficult because... Like, I know exactly why they're quiet. Back about it. Yeah, so that's why I'm that's why I'm goading you a little bit because <laughs> I warned people at the beginning of this. Yeah. I, I warned people at the beginning of this training that because of the format that that Clubhouse uses, this is one of the most dangerous rooms in Clubhouse right now. <laughs> it is. It really is. <laughs> David, I've so just want to let you know mm -hmm. since I've entered Planet David, my life has it's it's not even the same. Every four months, like I'm always on your YouTube videos, I've taken your courses. In 2020 alone, I got two promotions at work through, um, you have a video on YouTube where it's like, get the job each time mm -hmm. and you go through yep. that. Interview Implementing these word patterns with that, oh my gosh, it's just. It's almost unfair, isn't it? Your life's gonna change. And like, one thing you said, David, is like, don't hypothesize about this shit. Just fucking do it. If you don't believe it, that's fine. But do it. And when you do it, you're going to see your life transform. Absolutely. It's almost unfair, isn't it, Victor? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is why I love your I love your room, right? But it is fair. Because if you understand the theory behind and the the, the ethical perspective we take on these materials, if you think about this for a moment, if you knew with absolute 100% uh, 
specificity, exactly how to communicate to another human being that would make them feel heard, understood, accepted, validated in every way that would give them the feelings and the experiences that they've always wanted to have, that they're secretly searching for and never seeming to find. And you deliberately don't do it. Who's the a-hole now? Right? And that's where we come from. If, if, if you understand these, these skill sets and how they fit together, you can create powerful communications that leave people transformed after just meeting you once for a few minutes and they will remember you. You know, there's an old saying, and I think it's as true today as it was when it was first coined. I think it was Zig Ziglar who said it, or he stole it from somebody, but he said, people will forget what you tell them, especially if you're using hypnotic language, but they will never forget how you made them feel. So your job is to move through the world, finding out what people want, what they want to feel, and engineering your communications in such a way that they get whatever feeling and the results of that feeling they want by doing what you want them to do. And when you structure your communications that way, your communications will always be ethical. They'll always be honest, and they will be the most satisfying and thrilling and fulfilling communications they've ever had. So the, the spatial category, once again, I think of it as a descriptor. Now, in advanced linguistic applications, you can actually use the spatial category to change and reframe a person's checklist. Remember, we talked earlier about an emotional checklist that people have. That's advanced. We're not going to cover it today. We cover that in Killer Influence. We cover that in advanced CPI. Um, but the spatial pattern, thats this is one of the few patterns that you can linguistically go in and insert things into a person's checklist, which is usually sacred and have them actually respond and generate the body feelings with the new parameters installed. So spatial is very, very powerful. I don't think of this as one of the go-tos. I think of this as an accessory or an amplifier. If I want to, if I want to generate in somebody a very vivid three-dimensional experience that goes along with everything else, then I'll really start to incorporate a lot of these spatial words into whatever narrative or, or copy or text I'm doing. Very, very powerful. Very Again, it will lit, if, you, if you stack them in there, like one of the things I do is I always do relationships. So in other words, I, won't, I, I, could, I could do among, but I always do from among. From is also a spatial characteristic. Among is another one. So there's always a relationship between these two words. And because of that relationship, the impact that it has on the reader or on the listener is significantly more. But you can just get away with one. Among the many ways that you've seen to do these skills, which one are you gonna implement first? That's, that's, that's a single spatial category word, very powerful. Everything that follows it is still presupposed, but it doesn't have the same, the same impact in terms of the, the imagery that it facilitates. So again, take these out and play with them. I recommend you start with the first four. And if, you, if that's too much, start with the first one. And then get really good at that, circle back, add the second one. Get really good at that, circle back, add the third one. You can move this as fast through these material or as slowly as you want. I find that drilling down individually on each one and then coming back and stacking is the best approach as long as you're following the training process. Again, you're learning about it consciously here. You're hearing about it. I'm modeling these things for you, for your unconscious to form a template. The information is in you. But what you have to do now, you have to go back to your writing exercises. You have to state an outcome. You have to write three sentences for structure. 
And again, descriptors before the things they describe. You need to do three in the form of an application specific uh, sentence that you could take out into the field and use with a client or a, a human being tomorrow. And you must practice speaking them out loud. Once again, you must, must, must write them, look at them and practice speaking them out loud. If you don't speak them out loud, you won't build a strong enough recall pathway that allows you to trigger these things and do them automatically out in the street. You'll have great conceptual knowledge. You'll have an understanding, but you won't be able to functionally deploy them. And that's what everything we do in Planet David is about. It's about not just understanding it. It's about being a God of the world right now, functionally deliver it and get the result no matter what. That's what we're going for. So spatial precepts are powerful. Let me just review really quick um, the categories we've talked about. We've talked about the adverb adjective presuppositions, words in this category, easily, naturally, unlimited. We've talked about cause and effect, because, causes, and, as. Uh, we've talked about awareness, recognize, realize, notice, comprehend, right? Um, we talked about um, spatial, which is a from, among, over, under, right? These are very powerful words. The next category I want to talk about is again a descriptor, but these are called the temporal ordinal presuppositions. And these all these utilize some characteristic of sequence or time. Um, and one of the best ways to kind of, uh, there's, there's two ways I'm gonna give you to understand this. For those of you in the direct response copy world, uh, there's a very colorful character who's been around for quite some time. Everybody knows him, his name is Frank Kern. Uh, if you know Frank, go ahead and give us a quick applause. If you don't, I'm gonna teach you um, something that Frank loved to do back in the day. Uh, it was something that Harlan Kilstein lovingly called the Frank Kern pattern. And so Frank used to hold these marketing seminars and he would bring these people up to talk about what they do and offer them an opportunity to buy a product or a service. And he would get up in front of the, the next person and he would say, so look, before you go rushing back to buy everything Harlan has to offer you, let me tell you what his stuff has personally done for me, right? And, and Harlan started to call that the Frank Kern pattern, which is before you X, do Y. Thank you for listening to the Unlimited Influence. Reprogram your subconscious mind with Dr. David Snyder. Stay updated by visiting at www.davidsnydernlp.com and follow social media accounts. If you want to reprogram your subconscious mind, don't hesitate to call me at 858-282-4663 and we can talk more about what your mind has to offer.